Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. So here we go. You better buckle up, Buttercup. And a whole new attitude to your afternoon. I want to know what's going on, and I want to know right now. You know, two dudes talking sports. And you two will be awesome. Live from News Talk 1480 WHBC. It's a household name. Who the hell are you? It's the Kenny and JT Show. Have a great show. And we are coming to you live from the corner of 6th and Market in beautiful downtown Canton. Kenny, where it happens to be 38 degrees. The roller coaster ride continues. Let's go. I'm ready to hire Jim Schwartz, not as my defensive coordinator, if I'm the Browns and Jimmy has them. I'm ready to hire Jim Schwartz as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. JT, I, I don't want to be here with you right now. I, I want to continue to watch this press conference from Berea that's going on right now, and I was watching it on clevelandbrowns.com live, and we're going to play the audio for you throughout the show here today. Uh, Jim Schwartz, man, this guy, I'm, I, I haven't been glued to my computer listening to a press conference, and, and I mean literally glued uh, like this in, in a long, long time. This guy's saying all the right things. He comes across with confidence, almost this, um, this cockiness that I've done this. I've been a head coach. I've been a D.C. I've won a Super Bowl. I know what the hell I'm doing. I came up as an unpaid intern with the Browns under Bill Belichick uh, and, and got my Ph.D. in footballology from Belichick and, and from Nick Saban. This guy, and God bless him for taking this job, man. I'm fired up if I'm a Browns fan. Slow down a second, will you? Brian, what, what? does he mean by that he doesn't want to be here with us? I, I, I want to watch terrible. this press conference. Well, go I watch it. See what else go, he has to why say. Why don't you go watch it? Because you just told us everything that don't he's going to say. Door, anyway. uh, no, right? Never mind. Just kidding. Come on, man. This dude got my attention. Apparently, when, when we don't. Yeah. Hey, stop in a second. Apparently, yeah. Brian and I don't because you don't care about us. Fine. I Kenny. don't want to be there with you. Kenny, don't. Do a, do a show with Jim Schwartz now. Yeah, go do yeah, it. I'd love to. I'd or love hurt. to do a show Listen to the, me. the defensive coordinator Slow show. down a second. What did I tell you yesterday about Jim Schwartz? I told you. This guy's got acumen. This guy's got the football knowledge that this team sorely lacks. And they've been lacking it for a long time. And the one thing that I told you yesterday is the fact that this dude is a great communicator. And everything we heard about that defense last year, lack of communication in the secondary. Let me tell you something. Those days are over. This dude understands that he gets it. But we have to understand this as well. You think about the Cleveland Browns and the situation at hand last season, they were set up for failure. And a lot of people thought that you ended up getting what you thought they were going to get anyway. Because when you think about it, there really wasn't any direction this team could have gone in other than the direction they went in because they had no leadership. How can you run a team or an organization without leadership, without discipline, without people that are held accountable for getting beaten in the secondary? Uh, we don't know what we're doing. It's a lack of communication. Well, fix it. It took them 17 weeks, and they still didn't get it right. So you see what happens. you got to make changes. Now, I, like you, would like to think that this dude – has a little bit more to offer as a head coach than maybe yep. Kevin Stefanski. But once again, we've got to work things out and see how they're going to work together 
And moving forward, would it be a distraction to your head coach knowing that this guy might be better than you? And if it is, you've got a whole nother, whatever you want to call this past season, looking at you right in the face. They need to learn how to work together somewhat the way the Cavaliers need to learn how to work together in a young team with a new backcourt. Until it all comes together, you don't know what to expect. This guy came on and said, you know, somebody asked him, well, you know, you were semi-retired. And he said, well, I had a thyroid problem. So it was health that, mm-hmm. that took me away from the game. And how about this? And, and you'll hear it a little later. He says, he said, I had to step away because I couldn't cheat the team, the coaches, and players when I was sick. He said, I had double mm-hmm. vision. I couldn't watch the film that I wanted to. I couldn't cheat the players. So I had to tell them I, I couldn't do this. And he said it's under control. Now he's batteries recharged. Health is fine, according to him. And he's ready to go to step in Mm -hmm. uh, and take over this defense. And like I said, man, I I didn't know much about him. You did because you're a Lions fan, right? I didn't know much about him other than he helped the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 52, right? And I knew they only rushed four and they dropped seven. and, And that's what he talked about as well, and you'll hear that later, and that excited me as well. So uh, this guy has the acumen, like you said, the experience and the no-nonsense attitude, and if Stefanski slips up, I will not have any reservation Mm -hmm. if I'm Jimmy Haslam, I should say. If I'm Jimmy Haslam, I don't have any of putting this guy in as the head coach. Experience is the key in anything. I don't care what you do for a living. The experience is the key. You're not going to hire somebody that doesn't know what the heck they're doing unless you've got the time or you can't find anyone else to train this guy how to do his job. Now, I'm not saying that Joe Woods wasn't qualified. Yes, I am. He wasn't qualified. The problem is this. Now you've got somebody that you hired that has a background as a head coach, has a background as a defensive coordinator for a Super Bowl winning team, has a background of being a defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills before they turn things around. So the idea here is the fact that when you adapt during a game, you can game plan for any individual, not the Browns who decided that, hey, we've got a couple of quarterbacks in our division that we've got to go ahead and uh, scheme against. What about the rest of the games? You know, you play everybody in your division twice. What about the Justin Herberts come in and they kick your butt? What about these other quarterbacks that come in and they beat you? That's where this team was lacking. Their record in division was good. It was 500. They had a chance to go, what, 4-2 and before they lose the final game of the season, and let's throw it away because who knows if they even wanted to show up anyway. But the bottom line here is you have to win your division games. We get that, but. You also have to scheme against the rest of the league. When he could scheme against Tom Brady, arguably the greatest. No, he's the greatest quarterback of all time, right? Yep, absolutely. There's only a couple of teams you can think of that beat that guy. The New York football Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. Period. JT, as a Steeler fan, and this is what pissed me off and why I want Tomlin gone, okay? Mike Tomlin could not figure that out. And they would play the Patriots once, maybe twice a year, right? Regular season and postseason. And the Steelers, I know they've got that 3-4 defense, and that's who they are and all that. But guess what? When a guy like Tom Brady is repeatedly beating you, game in and game out, because he knows you're going to blitz in order to bring pressure, and that gives him uh, you know, an easier read mm-hmm. in the secondary, he's going to own you. And he did. 
okay, and the Steelers would not adjust. That's why the Giants with Eli Manning, yeah, he looks like he's the quarterback that beat the Patriots. No, it was the rush four, drop seven defense that beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. It was the rush four, drop seven defense by uh, Jim Schwartz and the Eagles that beat him in Super Bowl 52. So uh, this guy gets it. He understands it. A 4-3 defense is what he mm-hmm. plays, But and, and I loved him mm-hmm. talking. He said, look, uh, we're going to have OTAs. We're going to have camp. Gonna, that's what's uh, going to determine who well, plays in my defense. He's got a long road ahead of him. He's got to make sure the players buy in. I think the players want somebody that they can yes. buy into. You know, if, if they practice what he preaches, then they should be in good shape. Moving forward, the problem is this. You still what? don't have the personnel, especially no. up front, that a good defense in this league needs. Because I think it's a lot more than scheme. You're going to roll with Tommy Togiai next year and uh, Winfrey at your tackles. I think they have to go out and they have to find someone. And I love the fact that when we had Daryl Ryder on the program, he said, don't believe in a salary cap. I've been saying that for months. I don't believe in it. I don't know if I ever have believed in it. And even if it's just a matter of you have to rework contracts with your multi-million dollar quarterback, Things yeah. like that have a habit of getting done. And when we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs maybe being the best team in the AFC or the front runner to win a Super Bowl, let's remember, they paid their quarterback a ton of money. They chose to trade Tyreek Hill. They didn't want to right. pay him. But he makes yep. everyone around him better. Now, if they can do it in Kansas City, you hope and you would think that they could get it done in Cleveland. Especially with how many Ivy Leaguers in that front office, right? You would think that the, those guys could figure that out, and we're going to find out. We are. We're going to. We're going to find out. And uh, interesting, Jim Schwartz did say he, the one year he worked with Andrew Barry in Philadelphia, he said he was impressed by yeah. him, and he said he was a guy. I felt like I wanted to work for mm-hmm. him again somewhere, and he mm-hmm. got the opportunity here in Cleveland. So you're gonna. I think the fans out there today, the listeners out there today, are gonna love what they hear right. from Jim Schwartz. I really do. Let's see if they give him the authority to go up to Andrew Barry and say, "Look, I've studied the tape. I saw what you did last pa- this past season. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, Joe Woods did some good things. The defense turned things around, so to speak, a little bit in the last five or six games. But to be a great defense." I need this. I need that. Whatever it is, hopefully they're on the same page. And maybe that's one of the reasons why he either interviewed for the job or even accepted it. Because if he knows Andrew Barry well enough, and if Andrew Barry really respects him enough to say, look, I know what you need. Who do you like? And let me go get him for you. Then maybe you'll have something you can be proud of. Yeah. And going back to that um, rushing for JT, the, the, if there was, if there's one thing you say, what stood out to you the most from the press conference you you heard at least from Jim Schwartz? Here's the one quote that stood out to me the most. You ready for this? The way you affect the game the most in the NFL is with the pass rush. A devastating pass mm-hmm. rush goes a long way, and if you can rush with four, mm-hmm. that really sets yeah. up your defense. Mm-hmm. And so when when he says that's the most. Uh, or the, the biggest way you can affect a game in the NFL is mm-hmm. with a pass rush. And, and when he was in Buffalo, JT, they led the league in pa- mm-hmm. uh, in sacks with that pass right. rush. He had three guys in double digits mm-hmm. and almost four. Yeah. Uh, when he was with Philadelphia, obviously, right. that uh, helped them win you a Super Bowl. You know what's good Bowl. about that? What? You can't name one of those guys. 
So it's a collective of the entire team because he didn't make anybody one standout superstar. So maybe there was no Miles Garrett. And you can tell that there was a problem with this pass rush that we've had this past season. And this goes back to Joe Woods as well. When you started seeing him line up Miles Garrett in the center of the field, when he started lining up at nose tackle and rushing from the middle, you knew darn well that that defensive line was crap, Rhoda. And that's why they had to look elsewhere. And now maybe you've got enough talent, but I still think they have to add to it, right? Yeah. That they throw it a different scheme and maybe a different stunt, and you get guys that can rush the quarterback, and he's right, I believe, with him. And the other thing I like that he said was this. When Nick Saban took the job at Michigan State and they were young guys working for the Browns, he stole his playbook. That's what I like about Jim Schwartz. <laughs> Well, stealing it and picking it up because left it, it was there. left behind, whatever. I say you stole it. He said he left. <laughs> Come on. You think Nick Saban's going to leave anything behind? Well, you never know. But, hey, if, if that's uh, something that helped you along the way uh, about uh, – and he mentioned, he goes – and it was scary. He goes, we didn't know back then that Nick Saban was going to be the greatest right. college coach of all time. We didn't know that Bill Belichick right. was going to be – he said, so I kept my mouth shut and my ears mm-hmm. open. And, uh, you know, I got my Ph.D. in footballology right. from Belichick and, and Saban. So I, this is a uh, – I am not one to sit on the fence saying, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, let's wait and see. But uh, sometimes you're, you're, you're not sure, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that this was a good hire for the Cleveland Browns. Well, I have be. no hesitation in saying that for the Cleveland Browns. If we know one thing about Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, and others, it's the attention to detail. Now, I don't know what went on behind closed doors in those meetings with Joe Woods and his assistant coaches or the players at hand. I don't know. I truly don't know. But you could tell on Sundays that they were clearly not on the same page when you've got guys in the secondary and you've got guys in the press conferences coming out telling you it's a lack of communication. What you need is to pay the attention to detail. Uh, We've seen it on some of the great teams. Do you think that the – the Baltimore Ravens and those great defenses ever came back and said, we didn't know what Ed Reed was going to do. Do you think the monsters of the midway ever came back and said, we didn't know what these guys were going to do? Hell, half of them are in the Hall of Fame. They're in the Hall of Fame for a reason. Most of it is smarts. They knew the game. They talk about this all the time. He's a student of the game. But they also say this. He's got a high IQ. Do we have enough guys on this defense with a high football IQ? Obviously not, because either they weren't studying enough or didn't yeah. know what their job description was. And if that's the case, you need a better teacher. Who's a better teacher? In this instance, it's going to be your defensive coordinator. He's going to oversee the defense, teach these guys how to play the game. Instincts, explosiveness, communication, and toughness. That's what he wants in his linebackers, he said. But I think he wants that in all of his players, right? Right instincts and he said play fast and think quick and, and that's just that reaction right you play fast you think quick so uh we're, we're going to hear enough uh, of what i'm not going to tell you anymore right. he said fine uh, people are going to get a chance to listen to this coming up at 3 30 when i think of good defense you know what i think of and we never what? saw this on the browns we say the browns they're a bad tackling team right you know why they're a bad tackling team because what? in the nfl it's hard to tackle when it's one-on-one But when you think of the good defenses and you think of these great linebackers, the one thing they all have in common is let's meet at the ball. We used to call it in college, we swarm. We we were the yellow jackets. Swarm to the ball carrier. 
It's no different at any level. I don't care if you're playing Division Three ball or if you're playing in the NFL. These NFL players, Nick Chubb for one, we talked about Saquon Barkley yesterday. You want to tackle that dude one-on-one? I don't. Meet at the ball. Let's gang tackle. And everybody meets at the ball carrier. It's not that difficult. You would think it's not, right? But the Browns aren't the only team that have issues tackling, even though it's Super well, Wild Card Weekend yeah, games. Yeah, but I'm talking you know? the good teams know how to tackle. Yeah, yeah. But even some of those that were playing this past weekend, I'm like, how did he miss that tackle? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that that's important, obviously, uh, in a game where tackling is extremely crucial. Uh, it's not flag football like no. the Pro Bowl game this year, right? No, no, it's, it's tackle football. No one can tackle one-on-one in the NFL. I mean, think about it. When, you're, when your job is to tackle someone, that person's job is to make you miss. And when you're yeah. going up against a guy, what was Nick Chubb's uh, squat? What did he squat, like 800 pounds, 500, 600 pounds, whatever it was? You it try was to ridiculous. tackle him. You're a 180-pound defensive back. You want to get in that guy's way? Yeah, no, not as a defensive no. back. Hell no. And the ones that do yeah. – are we too hard on uh, Denzel Ward because he does stick his, his neck and his helmet in there and gets a concussion from trying to tackle some guys or just bad technique? I don't know, but I get your point. I, I said do. this a couple of weeks ago. The reason the secondary at times was bad, A, lack of communication. We get that because they blew coverages night and day. But most of the reason was the defense was so bad against the run. What do we hear? Oh, the defense bad against the run. We're going to freeze the linebackers. How do we do that? Play action. Well, play action freezes the linebackers, but a handoff makes the secondary come up. So when the linebackers can't make a tackle, now you have to rely on your quarterbacks and safeties, and they can't get the job done because your tackles suck. This is going to be interesting to see the moves they make and how much input Schwartz has to you know bring in some defensive tackles, another guy on the outside to help rush the quarterback with Miles Garrett, and then, you know, the linebackers. Does he keep what's here? Does he say, hey, my biggest needs, I need a, a defensive tackle, a defensive end, and two linebackers. Or well, I, I'm not sure. He'll, he'll look at it and break that down. You don't truly know if you've got good linebackers because of the fact that they were injured. Walker getting a little bit old, right? And we're not, oh, there goes the, he's the leader of the defense. I don't think if Anthony Walker would have played all season long, that defense would have been that much better. I just don't. He's undersized as well, a little bit older right now, and he's not that monster that you need at linebacker. I think what we're going to see is they're going to make the they're going to evolve from the smaller, undersized, faster linebacker to maybe one or two guys that can maybe stop the run. It's going to be really interesting to see because they need to address linebacker and tackle. Jim Swartz uh, just finished up his press conference, according to our good buddy Daryl Ryder. We've reached out to Daryl. Don't know if he'll be able to come on with us today. If not, maybe tomorrow because he's so busy covering this press conference and everything. But Brian's going to uh, do a, uh, a great job here uh, in chopping this press mm-hmm. conference up so you guys and gals out there, Browns fans, yeah. can listen to your new defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz. How about that uh, interview process? And they didn't even get into the teams that are still alive in the playoffs. And they, they sat down with this dude right away. Boom. He's our new defensive coordinator. Do you think anybody else was going to offer him a head coaching job? I don't. I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, he was up for it. Um, again, he touched on his health issues in the press conference today and that. So I think some people might have been, you know, afraid or scared of that. Mm. And this will give him another opportunity oh. maybe to next year put his name in the running should he be able to turn this defense around in one year tells me maybe he doesn't want to become a head coach again you've got a guy like bill callahan coaching your offensive line you would think that he might be in line for another head coaching position 
or at least a coordinator spot. But here he is, your offensive line coach, going on three, four years now. And that's a great addition or a great piece of your staff. And now to have another guy that's got head coaching uh, experience as well as coordinator experience, if he wants to stay there, this could be a, a match made in heaven. Think about his run, JT. It started about 30 years ago as an unpaid intern in Cleveland. 30 years later, he's back as the defensive coordinator with the Cleveland Doesn't everyone Browns. start here? Doesn't every great coach start in Cleveland? Seemed like it. Is that know? because we hire so many? Well, I it mean. It might be. That, let, I want to go back. Like that staff that Belichick had in place, mm-hmm. it, it put, I want to say, six guys into the head coaching ranks, either in the NFL or college right. or both. But even since then, you've got guys coming through like Shanahan with the 49ers. You had right. Arians won a Super Bowl. Uh, you had a lot of assistants that ended up, you know, really successful in the league. I, they, I would have to imagine that there are more coaches that have gone through the front door in Berea at, at uh, whatever Lou Groza Boulevard, whatever the address right. is. More coaches have gone through that door that have had success in the NFL than have come off of maybe the Belichick tree. Yeah, it, you know what? It'd be interesting if somebody had the time. Um, you know, to, to go through and look at all the coaches that have come through here over the years as assistants, as head coaches. Uh, listen to this. This is 93, okay? I had no choice. Art Modell was still the, the uh, owner of the team. Bill Belichick was the head coach. Uh, Kirk Ferentz was your offensive line coach. Uh, how many years has he been at Iowa, right? 90. As a head coach, yeah. Uh, and he's put how many guys into the NFL, right, from the offensive line? That's his specialty. So you had uh, Kirk Ferentz. As your offensive line coach, your defensive coordinator that year was Nick Saban. Uh, Phil Savage was a defensive assistant who ended up being a general manager for the Browns down the road. Uh, Jim Bates was your inside linebackers coach. Scott O'Brien was your special teams coach. Uh, Who else? Woody Weidenhofer. Remember that name? No. Uh, I believe he was with the Stillers, and didn't he end up at Michigan State, too, I think? Woody Weidenhofer. Uh, He was the outside linebackers coach for, uh, you know, Bill Belichick. Back in the day. And you just look at that and you go, my goodness, these coaches that were, you know, with that team. And I eventually, I want to say, who was it? Eric Mangini was part of that staff. And uh, I saw him on uh, the 33rd, uh, what is it, the 33rd team uh, website or whatever. He's now an analyst on, on the 33rd team or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's just, you know, from that 1994 Amazing. staff, it, it was uh, 93, 94 staff. And then, of course, you know, they move the team to, to Baltimore, and Belichick gets fired and goes to the Jets for a day and then uh, puts his resignation on a napkin or something and, yeah. and becomes the Patriots head coach and then goes on to be the greatest uh, head coach in NFL history. You know, So right. uh, what could have been, who knows, uh, you know, had they all stayed here or not. Um, but um, you know what? Uh, this guy, 30 years uh, later, is back in Cleveland, and uh, he's going to try and uh, you know tighten this mm-hmm. defense up and get them back in the playoffs and, and see if he can do here what he did uh, in Philadelphia. That's helped mm-hmm. them win a Super Bowl. Browns officially naming Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator. Yep. Press conference just wrapped up. We'll hear it in two parts. Really interesting stuff. That's must-listen to radio. And as we get ready to get into our first break, I've got to tell you this, too. Since we're talking about the Browns, and you remember the caller told us a couple of weeks ago that there was a movie about the Cleveland Browns back in the 60s, and it was called The Fortune Cooker, or I'm sorry, The Fortune Cookie, 
with Walter Matthau as Whiplash Willie and Jack Lennon? Yeah. I watched it last night. I got to tell you something. It was what? hysterical. They mentioned Municipal Stadium, the Cleveland yeah. Browns, right. Art Modell. The gist of it is Jack Lennon is a uh, – he, he's a – Jack Lemon? Lemon. Is, yeah, is it Lem- Lemon. I'm thinking of Lennon's – I'm thinking of John Lennon at the gym. Okay, okay. Jack Lemon. He's a uh, he's a cameraman for CBS. Okay. And he's on the field and he's videotaping and you know he's doing his job and they're they're doing a game and it's an actual game footage against the Browns and the Vikings. This movie is hysterical. So what they try to do is they try to bilk the NFL, the Cleveland Browns Municipal Stadium and Art Modell out of a million dollars saying that he got hit by one of the guys when he got hit out of bounds by the running back who supposedly was Jim Brown. Really? guy's name in the movie was Boom Boom Jackson, but he wore number 44. So I thought it was like Leroy Kelly, but this was probably before Leroy Kelly. Dude, you got to watch this movie. It's outstanding. Walter Matthau, uh, Amazon. Walter Matthau ends up winning an Oscar as Best Supporting Actor. Okay? It's the first time him and Lemon ever acted together, and it started a great run of movies that were... Uh, Floyd the Barber from Andy Griffith shows in this. Hey, 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 Father Mulcahy from MASH is in this movie. Really? Keith Jackson is in this movie. Oh, Nelly. you got to watch this thing. It's outstanding. Uh, you know what? I wish I would have found that last night because you know what? I watched the replay of Game 7 of the 2016 World Series, and we know how that Yikes. ended. I made the Schwartz be with you. JT on WHBC.